This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Transformative Principle, Episode 115 with Eric Heiser. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Eric Heiser, Executive Director of Sturgis public charter school in Massachusetts, and we learn about the things that he is doing to still improve even though they are top-ranked high school. I hope you enjoy this interview, and thank you for listening. It's hiring season all across the country and time to dust off your interview questions. Go to transformativeprincipal.org to download 10 interview questions to find the best teachers. So we've been talking a lot about macro, big picture things. I'd like to bring it down a little bit and talk about some specific things in your school on an individual teacher or student level. One of the things that I've learned about your school as as I've done some research is that teachers seem to go above and beyond and making themselves available to students who need extra support to succeed. That sounds like a common theme in your school. Why do they do that? And what is the purpose of them making that extra effort that some other teachers don't have the reputation of doing? Well, you know, I think when we uh, bring on uh, new faculty, we always uh, spend a day, full day in new faculty orientation. Uh, part of that is sharing pieces of our culture and our expectations. And as I've said before, a student maximizing their potential is what what we're all about. And if that's the heart of what we do, and teachers who join us are chosen because they're into teaching students, not stuff or not content. Of course, they teach content to students, but the emphasis is on teaching students from where they are to getting the most out of them possible. And so students grow and thrive on feedback and students need extra help. And if students uh, gain the sense that uh, they, by going in to see a teacher before school, after school, at lunchtime, uh, emailing their teacher, whatever, and getting the support uh, and the teachers are responsive in supporting the students uh, with that extra help beyond the classroom, I think uh, students uh, will 
continue to thrive. Now, the, the issue is the teacher's, I think, um, mindset has to be, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to help each and every student be su as successful as possible. And so right from the get-go on the first day, uh, faculty walk in, and even in the interviews, uh, we try to tease out people who have or have the potential for that kind of mindset um, because um, this is the kind of uh, school culture, professional culture, student culture that we want. So that's the kind of... Uh, really the feeling that we want to develop in our school. I don't know. I'm not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you, sh you sure did. How do you tease out that mindset in the teachers as you're interviewing them as so that you know what questions do you ask to know that they're going to provide that kind of support to the students? Well, you know, I have a, a few questions that I do ask. One of them, probably the most important thing I, I ask them is, um, if I took over your class and you had a long distance call down in the uh, uh, office and I had no clue about what you, uh, you were teaching to the students, so I decided to, to ask the students uh, in your current class, whether it's, I don't know, ninth grade English or, or pre-calculus or whatever, what words and phrases would the, the students tell me about you? Now, I don't want you to tell me what you think they would say, but I want you to tell me what they do say about you. And uh, I don't want to know what they would hope you would or you would hope that they would say, but uh, what they would say about you. Because I'm trying to find out how the teachers sees their role and their connection with uh, the students. Another thing uh, I asked them to tell me about is something that uh, they, uh, in the last three or four days, that went really well, and more importantly, why did it go really well? And then, uh, of course, I'll ask them the other side of the question uh, of uh, what didn't go as well as you hoped, and if you had to teach it over again, what would you do differently and why? Because the IB, of course, is about what, but more importantly, it's about why because I think uh, that should guide our thinking. Other questions I, I ask them to do is uh, tell me about um, how you ended up choosing your university. What was it that spoke to you? Tell me about uh, your favorite class or two classes at university and why were those your favorite two and what were the strategies that the teacher or the professor used to make the class so compelling. I would say sometimes I would ask uh, what the, the teacher would uh, see themselves connecting with students beyond the classroom and why that kind of activity really speaks to them. I'm just trying to understand the deep perspective of uh, how a, a teacher is connected to students and um, their priorities with students. You know, another thing that, uh, of course, some schools are concerned about is student discipline. And um, in our view, it's not about the consequence and not about what happened, but it's about the opportunity to build a connection with a student after an incident and uh, develop a relationship and help a student see um, what they could have done um, and let them kind of explain what they could have done to 
not get themselves into those difficulties again and building kind of a personal commitment with this in to, to try to do everything in their power to to not have this be a problem again so it's the it's the kind of the the counseling uh, that comes from a disciplinary situation that uh, emphasizes that you really care about students and you want the best for them and i think if you can uh, emphasize that rather than 20 demerits or uh, three days after school or you're suspended for four days or whatever, you know, it's, it shouldn't be about the consequence. It should be about the, the student growing and, and uh, trying to develop goals as to um, how they want to, to react in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I very strongly believe in that. When we talk about students who have different skill levels, how do you accommodate those various learning tempos among students in a single classroom, what kinds of things do you guys preach to help teachers meet all the needs of all the students in their class? Well, I think we focus our uh, professional development on basically kind of three areas. One would be on differentiating instruction within your, your class. And so we uh, spend uh, some of our professional development time on that area. We tend to use our, our special ed staff uh, to lead workshops in uh, helping teachers develop those strategies to help all students be successful because the strategies that help uh, students with special needs uh, be successful are actually strategies that help all students be successful uh, in our view. Absolutely. And we uh, tend to use our special ed uh, staff to, to lead uh, uh, some of our trainings. Um, we also have uh, 17 IB examiners on our staff and uh, they uh, lead departmental meetings and uh, we do grade norming of papers and things like that. And by having an examiner who actually is um, sanctioned by the IB to be marking IB exam papers from all over the world, then in their own department, having them say, well, for, for this paper, uh, this is how I would uh, look at uh, using the rubric to uh, assess uh, the student's support. And so that's very, very helpful for all of our teachers. We didn't start with 17 examiners. We've built that up over 10 or 12 years. Uh, but then the more people that you have understanding in a very deep way, uh, the external accountability assessments that you have, I think, uh, the better. You know, some people talk about uh, teaching to the test. Um, well, with international baccalaureate exams or uh, other assessments in IB, you can't teach to the test in, in the traditional meaning. You can't memorize things because they're so they're essay oriented, problem solving, and so. I think uh, you have to teach the habits of mind to help uh, students be successful. And those habits of mind, in a lot of ways, are transferable across all disciplines, uh, critical reading, uh, literary analysis, problem solving. And so I think we try to, uh, within our school, do uh, develop professional experiences for faculty that expose them to unique and different ways of thinking about the IB and implementing IB uh, style strategies. And, and specific to the IB, we also put an emphasis 
on uh, helping uh, all faculty integrate the TOK questions, theory of knowledge questions that uh, are assigned to each discipline because um, we uh, have the feeling that if uh, the theory of knowledge questions are integrated into uh, students' thinking, enhances their ability to be quite successful in uh, how they approach uh, their writing for the IB assessments. So our focus is on preparing students and very well for the assessments, but helping our faculty collaborate constantly. You know, we have departmental meetings uh, two out of every three weeks, twice every three weeks, and uh, the faculty meeting once every three weeks. But the collaboration happens daily uh, and probably two or three, four times a day for each faculty member because they know that what they're doing is difficult to helping all students be successful with the IB. And so they're looking to beg, borrow, and steal any strategy they can to help uh, each of their students be successful. And they know that uh, they they have committed uh, talented colleagues uh, that have good ideas, and they're going to share their own good ideas with their colleagues. And so, uh, you know, that, that the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's really a powerful way to look at that. Sturgis has been ranked number one in Massachusetts and in the top 40 in the country for you guys have been good for a long time. How do you continue to improve? Because it doesn't sound like becoming number one in the state is was a goal or something you strove for. How do you continue to improve even when, you know, everybody wants to be at your school? What do you do to continue to improve? Well, you know, I think uh, the guiding principle is uh, helping each student maximize their potential and uh, going out and finding the best faculty we possibly can. We've just recruited uh, five people over the past uh, month uh, from a variety of places. Uh, One teacher was in an American who was teaching in Thailand, uh, and uh, another one uh, traveled uh, throughout the world on a Watson scholarship uh, last year teaching and uh, performing spoken poetry. and So, uh, you know, we get them from a variety of places um, and uh, probably half the people we hire are via Skype. And so, like I said before, recruiting is the most important thing I do. And to find uh, people who are really gifted and talented and passionate, enthusiastic, most importantly, passionate and enthusiastic about their subject, but even more importantly, have the ability to build that passion and enthusiasm with the, in each student in their class because it's about student learning. So uh, we recruit all over the place and uh, we try to ensure that when faculty uh, come on board that they understand uh, what we're trying to accomplish. And we do benefit uh, by uh, in way many charter schools do is that we have one-year employment agreements and no collective bargaining agreement and no teacher tenure. And if someone who was talented in another uh, place uh, comes and joins us and isn't a match, then uh, no harm, no foul, uh, you know, uh, we'll just uh, say that, uh, you know, they weren't a match and uh, we'll uh, kind of part our ways. We want every teacher to be at the top of their game every year. And so there's a lot of ongoing support and observation and feedback uh, for faculty 
and uh, also uh, personal reflection and, and uh, an annual self-assessment and goal setting process that we've built in for years and years and years. And uh, I think each year we seem to find ways of uh, adding faculty who enhance what we're doing. Not that we don't lose some amazing, outstanding faculty who were examiners, who helped us build the school. But um, if you're really, really careful about who you hire, one thing I, I tell our faculty is that uh, we're constantly looking for faculty. So please uh, recommend people who you think would be a great fit for our culture uh, and for IB for all. But realize you only recommend no more than 15% of the people you've ever worked with because we're looking for stars and we're looking for people who will add to your own personal experience uh, as faculty members uh, because we all gain so much from collaborating with each other. That's a pretty interesting number, 15%. Why Why did you choose that? Uh, you know, I could have said 10 or I could have said 20 <laughs> because I, I think is that, you know, a lot of people work with um, colleagues, but if you say that kind of a lofty percentage, you send the message that, hey, we want stars. We're, we want our kids to experience a star each and every period throughout the day. And so I think that's the message that we want out there. And then that message is also, we expect you to be a star too. And we want you to do everything you possibly can to help your students be as successful as they possibly can. Yeah, I love that that perspective, Eric. That is so cool. I, I really like that. The last question that I ask everybody is, what is one thing that someone can do starting this week to be a transformative principal? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the vision and, and clarity of vision. And uh, I heard um, TED Talk by uh, Simon Sinek, where he talks about Rather than starting with what or how, you really need to start with why. Because why gives you the guiding sense of direction, where you're heading. And you really need to have a, a strong sense for what, where you're heading, uh, what you're hoping to accomplish. And uh, students need, need to be at the center of everything that you decide to do and supporting them and being as successful as possible. And I, I would caution here, a lot of people think about student success as a number on an exam. Oh, my, you know, we had 80, 90% of our students at the world, above the worldwide average on this test or whatever. It's not about a specific score in my view, because I think if it's different for each student and if you Put the emphasis on being coming all you can be and helping students become all they can be. Then, you know, it's not about a number. It's about them. And they're at the heart of what we're trying to accomplish. And so I think that's the message that I would give is really get clarity of vision and emphasis on student learning and personal growth and reaching potential. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I know that what you have shared today has helped me a lot and I know it'll help my listeners as well. So thank you so much for taking the time, Eric. I'm happy to spend the time and look forward to listening to other podcasts that you have. What a great interview with Eric Heiser, the executive director of Sturgis Public Charter School in Hyannis, Massachusetts. He is open to hosting any principals or teachers who would like to come tour their school and learn about the amazing things they do. And thank you for listening to Transformative Principal. Please share this with your friends and other leaders so that we can help others learn how to be a transformative principal. Transformative Principal is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com to hear more great podcasts that will help you improve your teaching and leading.